Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. Amen. So, so we are continuing um, at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the fifth commandment. Uh, it reads, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. So uh, before we even start, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, now it's five weeks ago when we started this. The, these Ten Commandments are kind of a well-step-by-step description about, about the great commandments that Jesus talked about. Love your God and love your neighbor. And we talked about it talked about five weeks ago that you kind of see that the that breakdown of the first four talking a lot about God and the last six talking a lot about your neighbor of people who live in around you. But we really do need to remember that the whole point of this is us getting closer to God. So it's not just now we forget about blessing, forget about our relationship with God. And now we're just going to focus on our mom and dad. We're now we're just going to focus on our neighbor. our neighbor and things like that. We are continuing looking at how we can get closer to God, how we can love on God. And as we love on God, that's going to pour out into our neighbor. So this is one, this is one of those uh, teachings where on the outside, we're just like, all right, it's all about loving your parents and, and that's it. But there's so much more because we've got to look at uh, the context of, of, this, of this teaching, of this commandment, and to whom it was given to. It's given to the Israelites who, who God just pulled out of slavery, right? We start off on verse 2. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He reminds them who he is, right? We talked about that. So he's speaking in that authority, speaking in that covenant with, those, with them. So when he says, love I'm sorry, honor your father and your mother, there's a purpose behind it. It's not just that you be a good kid, but there's a purpose behind it. And the promise that so that you may live long in the land, Lord, your God has given you. So what he's saying is to me is that it's important for children to honor their parents and listen to their parents because the parents know what God did before. That's a very important part for us to remember. We got to remember what God did it. And the way we do this is that if God did something for me, now I'm going to tell my child, this is what God did for me. This is how faithful God is. This is how loving God is. And then my son, if he respects me and honors me, he'll take my word seriously. And then when I'm gone, my son is going to tell that to his son or to his daughter. This is what our God did for my, grand, uh, my, for my father and so on and so on. But if when there's a breakdown, when you don't see that connection between grandparents and seeing what God has done, something gets lost. And we see that happening in the Israeli people. As we read through the Old Testament, they start off, yeah, we're at Mount Sinai. We talked to God. We heard God speaking. And then years go by. Who's this God? Let's pick another God, another God. So it's this, this story of honoring your mother and father. It goes so much deeper than just the relationship between your parents. It goes deeper. It goes more into what God has done in our lives and remembering those kind of things. In Deuteronomy 6, I'm going to go into Deuteronomy right now. We're going to stay there for, for a while. 
Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, there's this famous verse for the Jewish people. It's called the Shema. We actually started our church learning about Shema. It starts off with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We identify who God is. And then, the, and then it continues, says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. It's a very important thing. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. This is what parents are supposed to be doing. Parents are supposed to be teaching their kids about what God has done and what God is expecting for us to do. It is important times that when we're at home that we're talking to, to our children about what God has done and what he's teaching. It's important that when we're driving in the car, we talk to our children about what God has done and what is he teaching. When we go, when we go, go to sleep, we pray with our children. When we wake up, we bless our children. The God is the center of who we are as parents. Because as we look to him as our heavenly father, we, become, we, we see what he has done for us and we do the same thing for our children. In, in Deuteronomy 6, 20 through 25, in the same chapter, Moses teaches about this. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? So we're already seeing how this passing down the teaching is important. Moses already preparing them. At some point, your children's going to ask you, why are we following these laws? Why are we doing this? It says, tell them, we were slaves in Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of the Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miracles, signs, and wonders, great and terrible, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us into the, in and give us the land that he promised an oath to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive in the case today. He, remind, he shows us this is how we should talk to our children. As parents, this is very important for us. If we want our children to honor us, we need to honor God. We need to remind him of what he has done. There's many times that I had these conversations with, with my son, where I was like, listen, let me tell you my life before Christ. Let me tell you about the struggles with my life before Christ. And this is what God has done for me. And all the things, and as, as I go through my life each and every day, and the struggle after struggle, and I tell him the only reason I have been able to push through is because of God. That is my commandment. That's what's on my heart from God, and I give it to him. I have to teach him those kind of things. He reminds us. We have to remind him about who God is. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1 and 2, it starts off, These are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing to the Jordan possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as they live. It's this fear, this healthy fear of honoring people, honoring your parents. I'm blessed to, to have a wonderful child that if he does something, I don't have to yell at him. I don't have to scream at him. I don't have to put my hands on him. I, I can just look at him and he's like, I screwed up. Let me change what I'm doing. And let me do what, what my dad wants me to do. He has a healthy fear of me. 
not because I beat him all his life. It's because he knows what character I have and who I follow. So we want the same thing with our Heavenly Father, that we have this healthy fear that he's a good God and that he doesn't need to punish us for us to do what is right and follow his commandments. We just need to respect him and love him enough to know that we need to walk the way that he wants us to do. The last, the last point in this uh, teaching about our being our parents is in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely, so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your hearts as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. We cannot forget as parents what God has done. Not only as we teach the, the kids, but as we talk about it, we should never be a, a time or a place where we just forget about it. God's been good to us always. God has teaching us always. <coughs> God raised Jesus from the dead a long time ago so we can have that hope and the future in him. So we need to always remind our children about that also. So again, for us to have that place for our children to honor us, we need to be at a place of honoring God with our lives and reminding and teaching our kids about who he is. Yeah, so some examples of this are the book of Proverbs is actually written from Solomon to his son. And as you flip through the book of Proverbs, there's proverb after proverb, wisdom after wisdom that he's instilling into the next generation. And as an example, it says here in Proverbs 1 verse 8, it says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adore your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. There's uh, so many of these verses. There just a couple more. Uh, 4 20. Chapter 4 of Proverbs, we're still in Proverbs. Chapter 4, verse 20, it says, My son, pay close attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. And then we know. We know the verse that you train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So when we're talking about, you know, for, to honor your parents, one of the things that makes it easier to honor your parents is if your parents are worthy of honor. Mm-hmm. If they're godly parents who, who follow God's law, which was the presumption, there's, there's one verse about honoring your parents, but there's all these verses about how parents are supposed to act. Mm-hmm. about how they're supposed to impart wisdom, about how they're supposed to give boundaries, about how they're supposed to treat their neighbor and how they're supposed to treat their spouse and how they're supposed to treat the foreigner in the land. So all of those laws were meant to guide the, the earlier generations, the grandparents and the parents, and that, that way the children have an easier example to follow. Mm-hmm. And we obviously know that that example does not always, is not always how things live out. It's difficult to honor your parents when they're abusive. It's difficult to honor your parents when they're neglectful. It's difficult to honor your parents when they're absent. You know, that fathers who leave the home or mothers who abandon their children. It becomes very difficult to honor those parents when they have not fulfilled their obligation as your mother and father. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that you don't still have a responsibility to honor them in some way, but the way that you honor them is different. 
if your parents are full of wisdom and godliness, then you're going to come to them for counsel. And most likely you're going to respect that counsel and you're going to follow it. If your parent is, for example, a drug addict whose life is out of control and maybe they're always coming to you to bail them out, that's an unhealthy relationship. So you can honor them and respect them that you still love them, but you put up boundaries because their toxic choices are going to spill over onto you and cause damage to you. And so it doesn't mean that you have to have this intimate relationship with your parents. It does mean that you can continue to honor them in a way that just looks different. And we're going to get into that, what that looks like in different stages of life. Uh, the, the last, so if you want to see some of the wisdom, especially for those of you who are parents, if you're looking for some wisdom that you can pass on to your, the next generation, the book of Proverbs is just full page after page after page with wisdom of things that have been learned. Uh, and you have your own life experience, things that you've learned. I mean, how many of us have had to learn things the hard way? Mm-hmm. And we want to prevent our children from having to go through the same thing, right? So the book of Proverbs is full of all of these wisdoms. Oh, I quoted, I'm sorry, train a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. That's Proverbs 22.6 for those of you who are keeping track. And at the end of Proverbs, there's this beautiful chapter. Uh, people often quote Proverbs 31, but what you don't realize, what people don't pay attention to, is it actually says, The sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. So it starts off, O my son, O son of my womb, O son of my vows. And then it goes on about what a godly wife should look like. So Proverbs literally has the voice of the father, but also the voice of the mother passing on this wisdom for the next generation and for generations to come, because we have it here in scripture as a guide for us as parents of how we should treat our children. Uh, One of the things that I wanted to, to just kind of call out, I hinted about it, but is Proverbs chapter 13 because this is one of those verses that's a troublesome verse. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. And I'm sure many of you have heard this verse. It says, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. And this has been used to say that, to give an excuse, and many times in authoritarian households or houses where it's an excuse to beat your children. And that is not what this verse is about. He's saying if you completely spare the rod, meaning you don't discipline your children at all, you try to be friends with your child. Your child doesn't need friends. Your child needs parents. Your child needs someone to be an authority figure over their life to guide them between right and wrong, to tell them when they're about to, because they don't have the foresight or the awareness as they're growing up. They'll just like run out in front of a car in the street. They don't know different or they'll throw a fit, not realizing that you're actually giving them healthy choices rather than just giving them all the candy that they want. So they they need a parent. They don't need another friend. And what this is saying is that he who loves his son is careful to discipline him. And that word careful there means that you don't just lash out in anger, but that you, you think about it in a calculated way about logical consequences. What does this child need? And how can I train them in the way he or her? How can I train them in the way that they need to go so that they can learn to be slow to anger, gracious and compassionate, abounding in love. Because remember, you're not only being made in the image of God and and trying to be Christ-like, but you're trying to teach your children to do the same. So the way that that they interact with you is going to affect the way that they view God. And if you're always, they do something wrong and you remove your love or you lash out at them in anger, they're going to think that God will treat them the same way. 
So we have to be careful. It doesn't mean that we don't discipline our children at all. Um, It doesn't mean that we pursue them to love us because scripture actually says to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor. But in this honoring your parents, it doesn't actually say to love your parents. Sometimes loving your parents is hard because of things that they've done, but you still need to honor them. And those two things can actually be quite separate. So we want to talk about with on the children's side, we want to talk about through the through the ages of as you're going through as you're a child, as you're a young adult, as you're an adult and an elderly, just kind of going through the steps. So the first one is in Ephesians chapter six. And this is a verse. Again, it's one of those verses that people like to like to use it, but they just stop. At certain places. So I want to read from chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. 1 through 3, a lot of people know, um, quote, especially parents, to say, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So this is the scripture that parents quote over and over to their, parent, to their children. Hey, obey, 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 and it will be good for you. <laughs> If you know what is good for you, obey me. Mm. Verse 4 is a very important thing, and this is something that Trisha already talked about, is what kind of parent you are. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children or frustrate or what are the other words exasperate is. But instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That is a huge key of parenting. If you want your children to pay attention to you and listen to you and honor you, there's got to be the training that you're doing and the instruction that you're giving them is giving them in the Lord. Of course, you want to teach them other things, right? Like when, I, when I'm teaching my son how to do mechanical work, it's not in the Lord. It's like, and this is how you change the tire in the Jesus name. No, it's just I'm changing, changing the tire. But when I'm teaching him how to have character, that is in the Lord. When I'm teaching him how to, how to help have integrity, those are teachings in the Lord. When I'm sharing with him and sharing scripture with him, that's in the Lord. That's, that, that's what kind of godly um, training that we do. That's kind of godly teaching. That's kind of godly parenting that needs to be done. So that way the first one will happen. The, just the same way when, when God presents the Ten Commandments, he reminds people, the people of Israel of why they should listen to these commandments. He starts off, I am your God who brought you out of Egypt in the place of slavery. He kind of gives us like, this is the reason why you should have this communion, uh, communion with me, the covenant with me, because I'm the one who brought you out and brought you out of slavery. I saved you. I helped you. I prom- the promises that you have, I'm given to you. So the same thing with, with me as a parent, I'm going to be like, I want you to listen because I love you. I care for you. I, sh- I put you in the right path towards the Lord. I, I guide you and with the wisdom that I have from the word and from the Holy Spirit. That's why I want you to listen to me, not because I'm bigger than you and, and anything else. That's, that's the important parts of that. So as children, you know, in that stage of life, honoring your parents looks different. Honoring your parents as children is being obedient to the things they ask you to do. It's being helpful to the age-appropriate level you can by doing chores and being helpful um, when you see that they're burdened down with things, and not just when, you, when they ask you, but being observant and, and taking the initiative to ask if they need help. Uh, 
being obedient also means that, uh, like we said, you're obedient to the point that they cause you to do something sinful or wrong. There are parents, again, who are abusive or who, who try to manipulate their children and the children don't feel right with it. In that case, children have a right to go to someone else, an aunt or an uncle or someone, to let them know that they're being mistreated. And we, as the church, as one family, if it's someone in our church that this is happening to, we have to help intervene in that situation, either by providing counseling, providing a safe refuge for that child, because they're not being trained in the way they need to go. They're being abused, and that is something that is, again, not biblical. That is not, some people think, well, you have to be obedient, and so that means you have to put up with whatever is happening in the household, and that you're basically property, and the parents can do to you whatever they want. That is not what's being taught here biblically. Honor does not mean that you are a, a rag doll for your parents. Mm. Uh, the, the, so then we move on from, from children to young adults. Uh, we know that shifting through the teenager stage to young adults is a whole different dynamic where you know teenagers are finding their own identity. They're kind of detaching from their parents on many levels. They're finding more of their identity with their friends. Uh, they're, they're seeking other experiences. They're kind of coming into their own, making their own decisions. And that is healthy and that is right. And sometimes parents have a knee-jerk reaction to that and they want to control there, and the more you try to control your teenager, the more you try to control a young adult, the more they're going to resist. So as a teenager and young adult, the way that you honor your parents is that you, you respect them and you seek their wisdom, but you don't necessarily always have to do what they say. There are times when you have a conviction or something that you know is your decision. I mean, a really simple example is parents who try to tell the child, like, this is where you need to go to school. This is what you need to be when you grow up. This is who you can date, who you cannot date. And there's certain things that as you're making those life decisions, those crucial life decisions, it really should come where you can honor your parents and say, thank you for your wisdom. And I appreciate that you may want me to go to that college because that's where you went. Or I appreciate that you are nervous about this individual that I'm, I'm committed to in a relationship because of your own fears that you had or bad relationships that you went through, but I'm making some of my own choices at this point. And there's a way to say that in honor and respect without just being like, screw you, I'm an adult, I can do whatever I want. Like that is not, that is not honoring your parents. Uh, as you get older, uh, the next phase is you're, you would be an adult. So as an adult in mid-age, do we have a, oh, I wanted to give you an example from scripture on, on a young adult. So there's a story from Second Chronicles chapter 17 uh, where there was, a, there was a king who loved the Lord with all his heart, but then in his later years, he walked away from the things of God. And his son, Jehoshaphat, was young, but he succeeded him as king. And it says he strengthened himself against Israel. He sustained troops in the fortified cities, put garrisons in Judah, in the towns of Ephraim that his father Asa had captured. But this is the important part. He says, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because in his early years he walked in the way his father David had followed. He did not consult the balls, but sought God of his the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. The Lord established the kingdom under his control, and all Judah brought gifts 
so that he had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to all the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and Asherah poles from Judah. So in other words, he, he followed his forefathers. He followed the example of David, but he did not necessarily follow the example of his direct father, Asa. He went and he decided that he was going to tear down the high places, remove the idolatry, and give his entire heart to the Lord. There are times in our life when we come to mid-age, mid mid as an adult, where we have to sever the ties with our family of origin because we realize that they, they were not honoring God. They were caught up in some other things. There's some, some weird teachings or some toxic teachings. Again, things where they're trying to control you uh, that are in, a, in an unhealthy way. You know, if your parents are, were involved in a cult, for example, or they were atheists and you realize that you have now come to the Lord and you cannot just do things because your parents do. I mean, my husband, uh, as, an, as a young adult, came to know the Lord and his family was very against it because they're Jewish. And he faced a lot of backlash from that. Uh, even, and even your mom quoted, right, this honor your father and mother to you, mm-hmm. that by leaving the faith that he was dishonoring them. And he had to stand firm and say, this is the conviction I have. I have met the Messiah. I have met Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And I'm, I'm not backing down from that conviction. And there are times where you have to assert yourself um, as a young adult and as an adult that the way of the Lord is the way you're committed to and that your heavenly father trumps your earthly father and mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when we look at this exactly what church talk about the boundaries, we see it in Genesis from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. So it's, it's this following what God has made, the, the, this marriage, the, um, the, this, this way of living their life, of, co- of coming together, and separating for your parents. You can still, again, honor them, but also it's these boundaries that I love you, but this is my family now, and now I need to, my priority are them, and I have to make sure that they're taken care of, and the decisions that I'm making is gonna be made for them first. So you still honor your parents, you still honor your parents, because you're still, they're still the parents, but respectfully telling them, just like in Genesis chapter two from the beginning, that he, they become one. This is now, when you're with your parents as a child, they're taking care of you, you're in that family. When you marry, uh, come together, it becomes a different, a different part, different, totally different nucleus, I guess. Yes. So the next stage is as you age and as your parents age and become elderly, what does this look like? So in Job twelve twelve, it says, Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? So there's a new way of honoring and a new way of respecting that you realize that the elderly have lived much longer than you have. And so hopefully they have some wisdom about the way the world has worked, about experiences that they've had, about, you know, the longer we live, the more mistakes we have, right? So they have more, uh, more failures to share about, more uh, resilience, more of God's renewal, more testimonies about the good things God has done. And so we should make time to listen to them. And the, the next one of this is uh, Proverbs twenty three twenty two says exactly that. Listen to your father who gave you life. 
Do not despise your mother when she is old. Sometimes as our parents get elderly, they get a little cranky. And so our, our response may be like, oh, you know, my mom and it's heavy and all of that. Not, not my mom, of course. Not my mom. But it happens. It happens. So, but what should happen is, is that you actually develop more of a respectful friendship and you have a rapport where you can share things honestly. You can seek counsel and wisdom. And from the father of your birth who gave you life, it says, listen to your father. And sometimes we know that elderly, as they get older, they repeat the same stories over and over again, right? So it's just telling you one of the ways you can honor your parents is to just listen. At this point and stage in the life, that doesn't mean you have to do what they say because you've already created an independence. You've already created the center of your own family where your parents kind of move to the periphery. They're still there and you're still in communication with them, but they do not get to control and dictate how you raise your children, how you hold your household together, how you have the relationship with your spouse. They don't get to dictate those things. So at this point in life, you're you're honoring them because as they're they're weakening in their age and all of that it's helping them to do the chores that they once used to be able to do independently encouraging them that they still have value and meaning and that they're appreciated and simply listening to their stories because a lot of times there's loneliness that's involved especially as you're elderly if you're shut in and you don't have many places to go you know when you're middle aged you have you're running the kids back and forth you have your job you have all of those things but when you're older and retired, it can become very isolating. So even just being a listening ear and someone who gives company is a way to honor your parents and care for them. Uh, the last one I have for this, for this section is from the New Testament. It's Mark chapter 7, where Jesus actually rebukes the Pharisees. And he says this. You, uh, this is chapter 7, Mark chapter 7, verse 8 and on. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. He said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might have otherwise received from me is Korban, that is devoted to God, that you no longer get, let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your own tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. What is actually happening here is that the Pharisees were part of the temple system. They got paid through the temple system. They received their support through the temple system, and they became very wealthy through the temple system. And what they would do is they would say about their money, Oh, this is Korban. In other words, it belongs to the temple treasury. So I can't take care of you because this, I have to worry about the kingdom of God first. And you're going to have to figure it out for yourself. But really that money was for their own selfish gain. It was so that they could hold the money for themselves, that they could use it to gain fame and for it because people would look at them like, wow, look how generous they are. So it gave them something to be proud of. But meanwhile, they were neglecting honoring their parents who needed the financial support to survive. And he rebukes them for that. And he says that you shouldn't be putting that money. And you're, they found a loophole, basically. And they would say that, oh, well, I have to give this to the church. And I think this happens in other ways where well-meaning Christians, we neglect our family because we're involved in church work. And it may be that it's with our money. It may be with our time and our talents. 
But we get so involved in church and we get so involved in ministry that we neglect our children who then will have a hard time honoring us or we neglect our parents and our grandparents who need that love and who need that support. And, and Jesus makes it very clear that because of our traditions, because of the things that we, we think are more important, our wrong priorities, we neglect this commandment from God, which God takes very seriously. Yeah, so la- the last point is, the, is, the, is kind of focusing again on, on the commandment, especially the last part. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given to you. So remember that he's talking to the Israelites. He's saying you guys are going to the promised land. He's saying you need to have this honor your father and mother because you're going to be in the land and I want you to stay in that land. But if you're not going to honor your father and mother, you're not going to be able to stay in that land for too long. And we understand how if they forget what God has done in Egypt, but if they forget what he has done in, in the, the Mount Sinai, if they forget what he has done in the desert and everything else, they're going to forget who he is and they're going to walk away from him. And this, uh, the story I want to share about that is 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. It is, Yesterday, we were going through it and reading it, and I probably wept for a good 10 minutes reading, reading these two chapters because they're so powerful. Um, it starts off about, this is a King Josiah. In chapter, chapter 2 Kings, chapter 22, it starts off, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned Jerusalem 31 years. Verse 2, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Josiah comes in and he, he got put on his heart to fix the temple. The temple was in ruin. So he goes to fix the temple. And you read that verses 3 through 7. They find the book of the law as they were fixing it. They don't know what it is. The, the high priest finds this, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. Like the law has been lost so much that they had to find it. It wasn't, it wasn't somewhere that you can get to at all times. It was lost and now they find it. So they gave it to the secretary. Secretary gives it to officials. Officials gives it to the king. What should we do with it? When the king heard the words of the book of the law, because they read the book of the law to the king, to Josiah, he tore his robe. He gave, so he gave these orders. What do we do now? So they, they t- take it to, to, um, to the prophets Hulda. Hulda or Hulda? Prophetess Hulda. Prophetess Hulda. Thank you. And they're like, what should we do with this book? It's the law. What should we do? And she gives them all this information, all these things that, that they need to do with it. Everybody should hear this law. It's, it's, it's really sad. It says, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read. The book Deuteronomy, because Deuteronomy ends with all these things. Like, if you're going to follow my command, I'm going to bless you in this, in this land. And if you don't follow my command... I'm going to send you away. So now this is the last kings of, of the Israel. And they're talking because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all the idols their hands have made. Right. First commandment, second commandment. They're broken them all. They forgot who he was. The, the parents are not telling them what happened. 
in, in Egypt. They're not telling them what happened in Mount Sinai. They forgot the law. It's so lost. The hearts, your hearts have not been, been responsive. But they talks about, about the king. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and the people, that they would become accursed and laid waste. And because you tore your robe and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. And I was so excited about this. All right, there's going to be something good. And it says, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. So there's this righteous king who finally found the law and he's moved. And God says, hey, I'm glad that you're moved. But it's a little bit too late. But because of your righteousness, you're not going to see what's going to happen next. You're going to see there's a new covenant happening. People are hearing about who God is. There, he pulled down... Because of Josiah, he pulled down the altar the kings of Judah has erected on the roof near the upper rooms of Azar. He starts taking down all, the, all these offering places that are not to, to God. He's doing all these things. In the 2 Kings 24, 20, uh, verse 25 says, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. With all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. And this means Solomon, King David, was not as righteous as this king. He's doing something right. I was like so amazed. I'm reading this. I'm so passionate about it. And here uh, king of Assyria is coming. And he's like, all right, let's go after it. And within the second verse, Josiah gets killed. He's like the first person who gets killed. I don't know how it happened. He's a king. Where was his armor bearer? He gets killed. And it broke my heart. And I remember weeping. And I was like, but that's what God promised him. That he's not going to see what's going to happen next. Because Assyria comes and they kill, kills everybody. And they take, take him in. And Nebuchadnezzar comes. And he enslaves them again. And he takes them out of the promised land. So this is, our, this is the society that happened who for God to honor their father and mother so they can live in the lead for a long time. They forgot what happened in Egypt. They forgot what happened in Mount Sinai. They forgot what happened in the desert. So they walked away. They forgot about the law that is, it was so, so late. It's, it's like one of those things. You call, you, you're in your house and you're looking through some stuff and all of a sudden in the bottom of the closet you find your Bible. Oh, there it is. You know? You forgot about what this given you. Ten years ago, this was your passion. This is your life. This is what brought you out of, out of your own slavery, out of your addictions, out of your heartbreaks. Ten years ago, it was good, but now we forgot it. It's in the bottom of our closet. And that's what we're going through. We haven't taught that to our, to our children. They haven't heard of what it is. So now they're living their life the way they want to live. Not honoring you and not honoring God. The society needs this. There's a reason why this is one of the, one of the only co- uh, commandments that has a promise attached to it. Honor them so that you can live in the land for a longer time. Right? Yeah, so the, this commandment finishes with that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. This is in Ephesians chapter 6, repeating and quoting from, uh, from Exodus. So it comes with a promise that if you honor your father and mother, 
It will go well with you and you personally may enjoy long life on the earth because you're going to learn from the wisdom of your parents and even from their mistakes. You can learn from their mistakes. You can learn what not to do and it will guide your life. And granted, this is a blanket statement. Not everyone is going to get to grow old and gray if they honor their parents. But when God speaks, he speaks a lot of times in generalizations. So by and large, if you honor your parents and you live your life according to this rule, you will get to see long life on the earth and God will bless that. But the other piece of it, which gets often overlooked, is that this is not just an individual promise. What he was talking about is that there's a societal promise. If your family is in order and the parents train their children in the way they need to go and the children honor their parents by receiving those stories, receiving that legacy, hearing about all the good things God has done, and then doing the honor of their parents by passing that on to their children. So they're honoring their parents not only by listening, but they're honoring their parents by resharing those stories. Uh, you create a pattern and a fabric of society where you remember the goodness of God, you remember how even the stories of what your parents and your grandparents went through and the legacy that they've left behind. And one of the things that happens is when we see that breakdown of family, um, we often know the, the terrible statistics. Uh, time and again, when there's a breakdown of the family unit, there's an increase societally. This has an impact not just on you personally, but in society. There's an increase in violence. There's increases in poverty. There's increases in promiscuity. And another major one, uh, which is often done uh, intentionally, is that you have increased power of the state taking mm. in and stepping into those families and then, and then raising your children up in the way they think they should mm. go. So the government steps in and starts intervening and crossing boundaries, and the things that the parents should be teaching are now being taught by the government. And some of this is strategic, intentionally causing a wedge between families. This is something that happened in, under Nazi Germany. This is something that has happened in Russia under communism. The, the goal was if you could create a wedge between the parents and the children, then the state can step in and raise up the children to, be, um, to have their allegiance to the state. And they would even turn in their own family members to the state and, and have them arrested or killed because their allegiance was not to the family, their allegiance was to the state. And so if we wanna prevent the downfall of society, the kind of unraveling socially and morally of our society, if we wanna prevent from a government becoming so powerful that it's totalitarian and has control over every facet of our lives, the check and balance begins in the home. It begins with the family. So something as simple that says, honor your father and mother has pretty grand implications for us as a nation and for nations around the world. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.